Good morning, everybody. Glad that you are here today. My name is Trent, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be guiding us as we wrap up our series on counterfeit gods, as Chris has shared. But before we do that, I've got some pretty exciting news for us as a, a church family. Some of you will um, have been here at the beginning of the, this journey that I'm about to tell you. Was two years ago, we did a series called Poured Out. And in that series, we were learning together what it means for us as individuals, as well as a church family, to pour our lives out for other people, something that obviously Jesus modeled so well for us, and something he asks us to in turn go and do for other people. You know, if you think about what Jesus did, he came to serve us, showed up and said, let me serve you. It's not about you serving me, it's about me serving you. And then he says, if you're going to be one of my followers, I want you to do the same thing. So What we did in that series was we were looking for opportunities for us to pour ourselves out locally as well as around the world. One of the things that we did in that series was we partnered with an organization called Charity Water. And we raised, you gave, over $5,000 for us to be able to drill a clean water well somewhere in the world. Now, it's taken a couple of years for that to happen with all the, you know, politics and red tape of, you know, all that kind of stuff happening around the world. But we have a well that has been drilled in Ethiopia. And you'll see some pictures coming up on the, the screens here to show you location and, and just a little bit about it. But the, the uh, villages that this well services, uh, the people of those villages used to walk up to two hours to get dirty water so that they could wash their clothes, could have drinking water, could, um, could clean themselves, and could, uh, for, for cooking and other purposes. Can you imagine walking two hours to get dirty water? Well, now with this well, they can walk 15 minutes and get clean water. And they can go back again and again and again and get as much water as they need. They were very limited, on, you know, a two-hour walk. You'd be very limited how much water you could carry. And now they can, can get much more. I know it's hard for us to, fig- you know, figure out, walk 15 minutes to get clean water. Yeah, we walk 15 seconds to get clean water. But the, the villagers there, they have teamed together and they built a wall around this well to protect it from the animals so the animals won't contaminate it. And they together contribute some money to maintain this well. So in a village in Ethiopia, there's a clean water well that's been drilled. And it's there because you, as a church family, decided to pour yourself out and benefit someone around the world. So I just want to say to you, way to go. You're epic. Way to be awesome. So I'll just give you a round of applause. So just a really cool experience, and you know, I would love one day for us to coordinate a mission trip to go there and to meet the villagers around those areas, um, around that well. That'd be a fantastic thing. Probably won't happen in the next couple of years, but soon, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to pull something like that off. But for those who might be interested in international missions, I know there's some folks that that just kind of stirs their hearts. That's, that's kind of their, their thing. Uh, we've got some trips that are coming up over this next year. Uh, We've got two trips. We're going back to Guatemala and another trip. Most likely we're going to be going back to Costa Rica. And just wanted you to know we've got those three mission trips that are going to happen this summer. A wonderful opportunity for you to go outside of the United States and pour yourself out for a week for people who desperately need 
to understand the love of Jesus. And if you're one of those ones that goes, man, sign me up, I'm ready to go, information's coming in January, so just get ready for that, start praying for it. If you're one of those ones that goes, not me, pick somebody else, um, I would like you to go. I think it'd be fantastic. I think everybody should go on an international mission trip at least one time in their lives. So start praying about that, and I'll keep talking to you about that, and you'll set, tell me no, and I'll say, talk to God, and uh, you and God can work out whether you go or not. So just be praying about that. That More information will come in January. But let's just pause for a quick word of prayer, and I uh, just want to pray for the villagers there in that well. So God, what an honor for us, many of us who've not been to Africa or Ethiopia, what an honor for us to be able to give a little money to help people in another part of the world have a little bit better life or just clean water, something that we take for granted. We don't even think about the clean water that comes out of our faucets. And yet if we lived in much of the world, what we would be forced to deal with is dirty water, water that would make us sick. And so God, thank you for an organization that's willing to go around the world and bring clean water. And Lord, we understand that that is a great benefit to them physically. Lord, the biggest benefit is that those people would come to know you. You are the living water. And anybody that has a relationship with you, Lord, you say in scripture, you'll quench their thirst and they'll never thirst again. So Lord, in a spiritual context, I pray for these uh, people around these villages that they would come to know you. Thanks for the privilege that we have to serve other people. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you are new with us in this series, we have been exploring the first of the famous Ten Commandments. So the first instructions that God had given to the nation of Israel, his specially chosen people, after rescuing them from 400 years of slavery. It's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, that God said to the Israelites, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. And we've said in this series that an idol can be anything. It can be anything if it takes us away from our relationship with God. If it pulls us away from him, then most likely that thing is an idol. It, things like idols can be anything from something that we as a group would say, oh yeah, that's an idol or that's a really bad thing for us. Just say drugs, for example. You know that being addicted to drugs, that'd be a bad thing for us. It's kind of an obvious thing. But then there are some not so obvious things, some not so obvious idols that we bow down to worship. We can even have hidden idols in our lives, things that no one else knows. No one would know that we've bowed down to worship this hidden idol in our lives. Ezekiel 14.3 says that some people have set up idols in their hearts. They've embraced things that make them fall into sin. And we're all tempted to do that. We all have these hidden things that we're tempted to worship. 
Now, a few weeks ago, I said that most idols can fit into one of five categories, something I called the five Ps. So here they are, power, people, possessions, pleasure, or prestige. Again, power, people, possessions, pleasure, or prestige. And you can probably figure out that our message today is brought to you by the letter P and the number five. So if you're driving home, we're talking at lunch, maybe like, what what Trent say today? I don't know, something about letter P, something about number five. All right, now we're all tempted to worship a counterfeit God that fits in one of those five categories. Some of us love to worship other people. That's our thing. We've got a counterfeit God of another person kind of set up in our hearts. Might be your husband, might be your wife, might be one of your kids, might be boyfriend, girlfriend, might be someone you've never met before. It might be somebody famous that, that you've idolized. Uh, and on the outset of that, it you know, doesn't sound all that bad. You know, I mean, who here wouldn't want to be worshiped by somebody else? And wouldn't that be kind of cool? But when we take that person, whoever that is, and we put them in God's place in our lives, that person becomes an idol. That person becomes a counterfeit God. So that's not good for us because God says, I don't want you to have any other God but me. Some people are tempted to worship the counterfeit gods of power and possession. You know, there's this idea that we think, you know, if I have power or control in my life and if I have stuff, then that'll bring me security. And if we were all honest, we looked around at the economic you know, realities that we all experience, we'd all probably go, yeah, I guess those are really counterfeit gods. You know, you try to get a bunch of power, you try to get a bunch of possessions, and it can just disappear from you overnight. And those really are just counterfeit gods. Some people pursue the counterfeit gods of pleasure. That, you know, uh, there's some folks that will just say, you know, I'll do just about anything as long as it makes me feel good or makes me feel better. Sometimes it might be a way to cope with pain that is experienced in life, but every day they wake up and bow down to a God of pleasure, saying, I'm just gonna worship this God because I'm thinking it's gonna give me some really good things. So we're all tempted to worship a counterfeit God. We're all tempted to worship another God that wants to get in the one true God's place. So what do we do? with these counterfeit gods? How do we handle these idols in our lives? The first thing that we have to do is to realize that idols can't be removed. They can't be removed from our lives. They have to be replaced. Here's what happens for us. If we just remove an idol, guess what we do? We put another one in its place or another one creeps in its place. Another bad thing that we will bow down and worship. It may not be the same thing that we were worshiping before, maybe a different P, but then we find ourselves worshiping another P and God goes, listen, I I don't want you to do that. So what we have to do is pull those idols from the primary place in our lives and we have to put God himself there. We'd say, God, I'm putting you there. You and you alone have that place. That's your rightful place in my life. The throne of my life, it's yours. I'm going to keep you there. Now, I'm not talking about a general knowledge of God when I say that. When we have God in his rightful place, I'm not saying, you know, yeah, I believe you know, there's a God out there. I think maybe there really could be. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about a real 
personal, life-changing relationship with the creator of all the universe. That's what's so amazing about Christianity is it claims that that is possible. It's possible for you and I to have a real relationship with the God who made everything. It's really possible for us to have a personal relationship, that he's interested in us personally. He wants to know us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to guide us. He wants us to listen to him, to be in a, a, in a relationship that we're listening to him and talking to him constantly, that's possible. That's what Christianity says. It's possible for us to be in a relationship like that. No other religion in the world makes that claim. That's unique to Christianity. So what we have to do to replace our counterfeit gods is we have to put the one true God in his rightful place. Now, to replace a counterfeit God, we need to first identify a, a counterfeit God that we're worshiping. We got to give it a name. Like, what is it? And we all like have that. We all have a counterfeit God that we're tempted to worship. And throughout this series, as often happens in most series that we do, uh, I'm always looking within. I'm asking myself a lot of questions when I'm walking through a series, when I'm reading scriptures, questions that I know I'm going to be asking you. I'm asking myself those same questions. So some of the questions that I've been asking over the past few weeks is, Trent, what counterfeit gods are you worshiping? What counterfeit gods have you allowed to creep into God's place? You've kind of pushed God aside out of his rightful place, and you've set up another God that you're bowing down to worship. And, you know, I can be tempted to do that in any number. I can be tempted to, to serve any number of the P's. But as we've been processing through this series, I have realized that right now, one of the things I'm struggling with in my life is bowing down to worship the God of control. I'd be the, you know, fit in the category of power. Uh, I like to be in control of my life. Anybody else here? Any other control freaks? All right, welcome to the club. My name's Trent, and I'm a control addict. So I kind of have that problem in my life and um, how that plays out for me in my capacity here as a, a pastor is there, there's so much to do in ministry, in church world. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm always going in like 10 directions in different directions all at the same time at times. And what I notice is I'll take my eyes off of God and I'll start putting it on me. And it'll start being about me, about what I have to do or, or don't have to do or what I can do, what I can't do. Um, all of a sudden, I'm like focused on me because, you know, here I am, I'm kind of a control freak because I like to control things. So I'll find myself strategizing and planning and, you know, all this great stuff to, to control all these little things in my life. And I love that. And I, you know, I like it like that. And I want this change like that. And I'm fix that. And if you ever see me walking around fixing signs, that's part of my control stuff because I don't like signs that look bad because that makes a, an impression on you. You come for the first time. Wow, that sign looks terrible. Um, man, I'm going to come in. They're probably going to treat me terribly. So that's a little bit of my control stuff. Um, so I find myself doing all that stuff. And then my eyes are off the creator. And I've kind of pushed him out of his rightful place. And I'm looking at me. I'm looking at this God of power, this God of control. Maybe you can identify with something like that in your own world. Maybe, maybe you know what it's like to have a little bit of control issue. Well, here's what happens for me when I talk with my wife sometimes. I, I download all kinds of things with my wife. We have conversations all the time about ministry or things I'm facing, things I, I need, feel like I need to do. Uh, she's a great sounding board for me. 
and I'll download something with her, and she'll say, and I hate this question, have you prayed about it? That's like, you would think I would learn. We've been married almost 19 years. You'd think I'd learn that she's going to ask that question. And she says, hey, have you prayed about that? Like, what does God want you to do? And there are moments that I have to be honest and say, you know what, I haven't prayed about that. Not cool, you know, like she should be the pastor and, you know, not me. You know, you think I would think about that, but there are moments that I don't. There are moments I just get so busy, like doing and like controlling and trying to fix that I just kind of nudge God out of his way and my wife reminds me, you should talk to him more. You should like check in with him. Like he has a lot of really cool things to say. You should like listen to him. And so I get convicted about that. And if you were honest in your own life, what would you say that a counterfeit God is that you worship? What counterfeit God are you tempted to kind of nudge God out of his place to put that God there? What would it be in your world? I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible. Turn over to Daniel chapter 1. And if you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section, and it's very appropriate if you would like to get up and get a Bible to go do that. You can grab a Bible and you can have one. Um, Those are our free gift to you. So in our paperback Bibles, that's found on page 667, Daniel chapter 1. And in this passage that we're going to look at, a guy by the name of Daniel is going to show us how to keep God in his rightful place in our lives. We actually looked at elements of this story in a a series ago when we did our election message. So this might sound familiar if you were here with us for that, parts of that at least. But here's the backdrop of this story. The nation of Israel chose not to obey God's first commandment. God said, I don't want you to have any other God but me. And they decided to have other gods and worship other gods in addition to worshiping God. So God allowed them to be taken into captivity by another nation. God allowed them to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians, who who was led by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, here's what King Nebuchadnezzar did when he took the nation of Israel captives. He brought them to Babylon. So he, like, moved most of the people to Babylon. And then what he did was he selected some of the the young, brightest leaders that he could find in the the Israelite community. So he found some young, bright, he had a real specific criteria for who he was looking for. He was looking for for good-looking folks. Um, He was looking for bald people because bald people are just good-looking, right? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, another one of my bad jokes. All right, so he was, he was looking for a specific group of people. They had to meet a certain criteria to fit into this group. And what he did was he put those young men through three years of training in the Babylonian culture, customs, and language. And they got lots of perks. Like everybody was given an iPhone and an iPad and a mini pad. And you know, they were given lots of really cool stuff when they were a part of this group. Now, there would have been a a large number of young Israelite men that would have fit into that group, but today we're going to look at four special guys that said, you know what? God's number one. We're going to obey God's first commandment. No other gods but him. So we're going to look at these four guys and watch how they, they handle a difficult situation that they're about to face. And their Hebrew names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names were then changed to Babylonian names to honor Babylonian gods. 
So here they are in Babylonian. We've got new names of Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Might be familiar to, to you or not. Now in verse 5, Daniel chapter 1, it says, The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. So these young guys, they're taken into captivity. They're taken to Babylon. And it's kind of looking pretty good. At first, it's like, wow, we're going into slavery. And then they get into Babylon, and things are going pretty well for them. Maybe not the other, other Israelites, but pretty well for them. I mean, it's like these guys are rock stars. They're treated like kings, like they all just want American Idol. They've all just signed recording contracts. They've got money coming at them. They've got requests for all kinds of stuff. They've got you know, people taking pictures of them all the time, looking for autographs, just about anything that, that you know, we would say, hey, that's success. They have that. They've got availability to have about anything they want, being in this situation, in this special group that they're in. So imagine being in your late teens, early 20s, and you're offered that. Like, put yourself in that spot. Like, whoo, how cool is that? Dream for just a moment. All right, come back to reality, okay? <laughs> the king's food and wine would be a problem for these young Israelite men. Would have been a problem because God had already told them. Another one of his instructions was, there's certain meat I don't want you to eat. There's certain meat that's off limits for you. Things I don't want you to engage in at all. Stuff that King Nebuchadnezzar was eating on a regular basis. Stuff that he was offering to these young guys. So major temptation going on here. Now, what is our tendency when we are told not to do something? Do it. Are you guys rebellious or something? Yeah, because like we do that, right? So you see a sign like this, and you want to walk on the grass. Yeah, I see signs like that, and I go, I want to walk on the grass. Apparently, everybody else does too, because there's not much grass left. Your mom made some cookies, and she goes, don't have any cookies. What do you want to do? Is there a cookie thing? There it is. There it is. Yeah, you want cookies. So God came to Adam and Eve and said, don't eat the fruit. I don't want you to eat the fruit. And what did they do? They ate the fruit. God came to the Israelites and told them not to worship any other gods. And what did they do? They made a golden cow. And they bowed down to worship a golden cow. So we have this thing in us. It's another P. It's called pride. And it causes all of us to say to our great God, just leave us alone. We don't want to be bothered with your stuff. We don't want to be told what to do. We've got control issues, right? We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Not even God at times. So these young Israelite men have a decision to make. Do they eat the food or not? And I'm sure they had some meetings about this. I'm sure they got together in a room and had a conversation with each other, said, okay, what do we do? Big dilemma. How do we resolve this? And since there were only four of them that wanted to obey God, and specifically his first commandment, I think probably a few of the other guys suggested something like this. You know, here we are in captivity. We didn't want to be here, but here we are. We're forced to eat the king's food. If we don't, we'll be killed He'll just kill us. So if we just say, no, we don't want that food, we'll die. God wouldn't want that to happen. So here we are in this situation. We have to do this. We have to. I don't know if you ever feel that way. It's something that you know is wrong 
and you just feel like, I have to do that. Like, why do I have to do it? I don't know. I just feel like I have to. So here they are in that moment saying, you know, I think we just have to do this. Apparently all of them but four agreed. And Daniel chapter one, verse eight, it says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Another translation says, Daniel determined in his heart not to defile himself. So the key to replacing our counterfeit gods is to determine in our hearts. We start there. We determine here in our hearts to either put God in his rightful place or put God back in that rightful place. So Daniel and his three friends, they took a stand. And they said, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another solution because we just can't do it. We can't eat this food that God has told us not to. So Daniel comes up with this idea. I think it's an idea given to him by God. And he asks permission for his, him and his three friends to not have to eat that food. That would have put the guy in charge of them in a very bad spot. See, one day he's going to have to bring all of these young Israelite men before the king. The king, king's going to review them and have conversations with them. If he looks at them and sees that, hey, four of them don't look as healthy as the other guys, then he's going to have the guy in charge beheaded. So the guy in charge is going, yeah, my like, life is on the line here. I'm not sure that's a really good idea. So Daniel came up with this arrangement in verse 12. He said, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. Now, just imagine for a moment that you're not one of the four, but you're one of the other guys that's just heard this, okay? Just imagine you hearing Daniel's suggestion, I'm thinking, if I were there, I'm probably thinking, have you lost your mind? Do you see what we get to have? You know, Daniel's wanting to, to trade the king's freshly grilled steak for rabbit food. It just doesn't sound like a good idea. I mean, like, who likes salad anyway? Sorry if you're a salad eater. I'm not should go like on the side. That's like, you know, after you have your, your meat. But here's what happens in a scenario like that, is when we say, I want to put God first, that's going to make us look crazy to a bunch of other people around us. You know, your friends at work, you know, the people at school, people in your neighborhood, you put God first and they're going to go, what are you thinking? Have you lost your mind? They're going to think you're weird when you say, you know, I don't really want to do that anymore. Well, why not? Yeah, I, like I'm, like I want to do what God's asking me to do. Oh, really? Really? So like everybody else is doing it. It's, it brings pleasure. It brings power, brings whatever, you know, it's good in this moment for us. It's just fantastic. Everybody's doing it. You see how awesome our lives are going and you don't want to because of God. Are you kidding me? What are you thinking? So we're going to look a little weird. If you say, I just want to have God in his primary place in my life. Now I want you to look at what happened as a result of Daniel's determination to keep God in the center of his life. Verse 15 says, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished 
than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual appetite for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel this special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them, get this, 10 times, 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So God heavily rewarded these four young guys because they chose to keep him in that primary place in their lives. God heavily rewarded them because they determined in their heart, say, we're going to follow you no matter what, no matter what the consequences are, no matter what happens to us, whether good or bad, we're just going to choose to follow you. I think God will do that for us as well. He'll do the same thing in our lives. So today, we are going to wrap up this series with a song called The Stand. And just like Daniel and his friends determined in their hearts to stand for God and what he wanted for them, we have to do the same thing. We have to say, you know, I'm going to determine in my heart. I'm just going to stand for God. I'm going to keep him in that primary place. So if you're honest this morning, what idol have you been worshiping? Is it a person? Is it pleasure? Is it some prestige kind of a thing? Is it some sort of power or some sort of control that you think that that you have or you get when you worship this God? What is it? Identify it. And this morning, are you willing to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to pull that thing out. It hasn't served me well. It's not doing for me what I want it to do. Would you be willing to do that and say, you know what, God, I'm going to put you in your rightful place in my life. Now, it starts here. It starts in our hearts. It starts in that place where, you know, it's that secret thing. We can have hidden idols there. It starts there where we say, you know what, I'm going to put God in his rightful place in my life. And then we follow that up. It's often great to follow something up like that with a specific action, something that we do, something that we demonstrate to God, our loyalty to him. So in a few moments, as we sing this next song, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite you to just kind of stand up where you are. And that might feel a little bit weird, but let me just kind of explain it a little bit and and try to to make something clear. I personally, and I know a lot of people share this this, uh, sentiment, but I personally don't like to be manipulated by anybody. If I feel like I'm being manipulated, I have a a radar for that and kind of pick that up and kind of drift away from that. But I really don't like it when pastors manipulate people. And as a pastor, I'm around pastors a lot and I go to pastoral kind of things. I'm not sure that's a word, but... I'm around pastor kind of stuff, church kind of things often, and I watch pastors do some weird things. 
I watched him say some weird things and ask some weird things. I watched pastors say, you know, if you love Jesus, you're going to stand up, stomp your feet, clap your hands, stick your finger in your ear, stick your tongue out. And if you don't do that, you think everybody else is looking at me. Like, so I feel like I have to do this. So I don't like manipulation kind of stuff. This is not about that at all. This is about you standing to tell God, God, I'm putting you in your rightful place. And there are several categories of people that might want to stand. So the first part of this song is just for those who might want to today just go, you know what, I got to stand. I, I just feel like I have to stand. You may want to stand to put God in that right place in your life for the first time in your life. Maybe enter a relationship with Jesus Christ where you say, I want to give my heart to you. I believe, Jesus, you died so that I can live. Maybe that's your, your moment today where you say, you know, I'm going to stand for that. Or maybe there may be another group of people that say, you know what, I've just, I've pushed God out of his rightful place. I've got another God that I've been worshiping and I've got to pull that God out of his place. I'm going to put God, you, back in that rightful place. So maybe you're in that category where, where you would want to stand. Now, if you've got a great relationship with God and everything's going cool, no need to stand. You can just sit back, relax, and enjoy. If you're just checking us out today and you're like, I'm not even sure God is real, cool, no need to stand. Just relax, enjoy your time. And then halfway through the song, we're going to ask everybody to stand together and we'll wrap that up together. So are we clear on all that? We good? You stand? Great. You don't stand? Great. Guess what? I'm going to stand because I've realized in my life, I've been like after this control thing a little too much. I got to put God back in his rightful place. So if you would pray with me, and then our band's going to come out, and they're going to lead us through the song. Lord, I thank you for the power of Scripture. God, that we can read of these stories of the Old Testament and New Testament, these powerful stories. And God, we can watch people like the Israelites who, who have a relationship with you and you're powerfully demonstrating that and you give them instructions and then all of a sudden they bow down to worship a cow. And I look at that and think, they're crazy. And then I look at me and go, yeah, I'm crazy too. Because I do that kind of stuff. As I kind of nudge you out of your rightful place in moments and, and I worship other things that I don't need to worship. So Lord, this morning we're gathered as a church family and, and here we are, some of us are just nervous to stand, some of us are ready to stand, some of us just know, you know what, I gotta stand, I gotta do this, I gotta stand up and make this declaration in my own heart. Lord, there's some people here who've never given their heart to you for, for the first time in their lives and maybe today's the day that they enter a relationship with the creator of the universe. They get a brand new heart. They start walking with you, Jesus. So why don't I just pray for them? Just give them courage to stand. Lord, those who need to replace a counterfeit God with you, give them courage to stand. Thanks for being a God who loves us enough, who loved us enough to come and die so that we can live. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to say, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning for the very first time, I want to say congratulations to you. 
You're now a part of the body of Christ. You've now changed your forever vacation plans. And if you've done that, I encourage you to uh, do several things. Number one, come up and tell me. I'd love to pray with you, give you a hug around the neck. And number two, I'd encourage you to go to our website at theepicchurch.com. There's some resources there under our resources tab that can help you grow in that new relationship. My prayer for all of us, though, is that every day when we wake up, we'll be like Daniel. We'll just determine, today, I'm going to keep God in his rightful place in my life. Every day. Because every day you're going to be tempted with another God. Every day we just say, you know what, God, it's about you. It's not about me. It's not about control. It's not about pleasure. It's not about people. It's just about you. And I'm going to keep you in your rightful place. Next week, we're going to start a new series it's a Christmas series. I don't know if you know that that's coming or not, but it's like 23 days away or something. There are some amazing gifts that God gives us, and we're going to explore some of those gifts in this series. Things that benefit us today and can benefit us today, as well as for eternity. So I hope you'll come back for that and hope you'll bring somebody with you. Now, the last thing I'm going to ask you to do, I've asked you to do like two weird things today. This will be the second is I'm going to ask you to say hi to someone before you leave, someone that you don't know. So maybe you don't know this person. Just go up, and I'm just going to have you say hi to them and get to know them before you leave for day. I know that's like the weirdest thing ever, but it'll be okay. You'll, you'll, You'll be safe. So thanks for being here. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Epic. My name is Chris, and um Today we're going to be wrapping up our Counterfeit God series. Trent's going to come up and give us a message, the last one of the series, before we begin a new one. But before Trent comes up here, I just want to give you a couple of announcements. One thing that we talk about quite often over here at Epic is giving. And if you call Epic your home and you want to honor God with some of your time, talents, resources, and if you want to give financially, there's two ways that we can do that. The first way is behind the seating over here, there's some tables and there's some giving boxes. Another way, if you want to do it electronically, you can go online to theepicchurch.com and there's a giving tab. And once again, that's for people that call this their home. If you're just kind of kicking the tires with things, please let this service be our gift to you. I don't want you to feel pressured or anything like that. Speaking of giving, in the back we have a tree over there. It's called the Giving Tree, the Epic Giving Tree. And those of you who have been here the last couple of weeks have been hearing about how there's cards placed on the tree and there are needs there for people in our church and people in our community. Well, last week there was 170 cards on there. Uh, the beginning before first service started, there were 48 left. So we went through that many. So I just want to say thank you. Give a round of applause to everybody. Went from 170 to 48. Well, guess what? After first service, I think there's nine left now. So there's nine cards left. Yeah, thank you, Larry, for another round of applause. All right. So there's nine cards left. Some of those needs are for uh, new moms that the Alpha Pregnancy Center is trying to help out. So if you're able to maybe just let's strip that tree of the last nine cards and be able to do, um, fulfill the need on the card... All you would do is take that this week, go to the store, you go ahead and buy whatever's on the card, and you bring that item, unwrapped, of course, along with the card, and you drop that off at our Connection Center. Now you say, what's the Connection Center? Well, that goes my segue into the next thing. Our Connection Center is the back over there, and really all it is is a little table that we have some free packets that give some information about kind of who we are and and what we're all about here at Epic. So once again, if you're new and you want to say, well, what is Epic really about? Take one of the free packets over there. It just has some useful resources and information that, uh, that tells us what, uh, what we're about here. So before we uh, get the service started, if you guys would just pray with me real quick, and we'll get Trent up here. 
So God, thank you so much for today, Lord. Um, you know, thanks for a place to get together for all these people just to come and worship you, Lord, for our church family to gather and, uh, on a Sunday morning and just praise you with all that we have. So God, I just um, I pray for the service. I pray for everyone to open their hearts, open their minds, and just um, let Trent's words be well-received. And God, I just pray as we enter the Christmas season that we would all remember that it, it really is about giving. Like you gave us the ultimate gift, Lord. Um, it's not about receiving the presents. It's about giving. So God, I just pray for everybody in need, everybody that was on that Epic Giving Tree. And I just thank you so much for the people here at Epic that were willing to pour themselves, to pour out their time, pour out their money, and support others that are less fortunate than us. So God, I just pray for a great service, and I pray for a wonderful day in your holy and precious name. Amen.